Matthew chapter 24. And um, we'll begin reading here in just a moment at verse number 4. Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 4. Praise God. All right, so um, I've joked around that I only have, hey, one last announcement. Okay, we've got the new Voice of Victory magazines in, um, and uh, I read part of this article this morning, Deep Roots, Beautiful Fruit. Um, They're on the two tables as you go out, Uh, so please grab one of those, enjoy it, um, read it, amen, pass it along to somebody else. Um, there's a section in here about the upcoming elections that I think would be of benefit for you uh, and to you as well. Praise God. All right. So um, the joke is that I only have one sermon. It's just, you know, been 20 years long. Um, and and it's, the idea is that here at Heritage, we just preach Jesus. Amen. And, and we preach what he's done for us. We preach who we are in him. We preach what he's called us to do. We preach our purpose in him, um, you know, what he came to give to us, who he is to us, who we are in relationship to him. Um, these are just the themes uh, that we preach. This was what Paul preached. And, and again, uh, you know, what the Holy Spirit uh, is among us to do. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. Jesus points us to the Father. And so when I say that the last few sermons from me are unique, they're unique in the sense that we're still preaching Jesus. We're preaching Jesus from the perspective of, of what Jesus told us about what's going on in the world around us. And some of these things may have taken uh, you know, people by surprise, governments by surprise, countries by surprise, but none of this took uh, Jesus by surprise. Uh, he told us uh, a couple of thousand years ago uh, <laughs> that these things were not, not only going to happen, but that they were going to happen with increasing frequency and increasing intensity all the way up until the end of this age. And so what we're seeing in the world around us is uh, what Jesus said would happen in the world around us. Now, why are we talking about this? Number one, we're talking about it because um, if we understand that this is part of what must come to pass according to Jesus, then hopefully we'll realize that, that because we're in him, that, that he, we're protected. Amen. That, that, you know, that we would find comfort, as we talked about last uh, Sunday morning, that, that we would uh, you know, not uh, fret and fear and panic uh, the way people who don't know God are fretting and fearing and panicking. In the same way that when, when someone close to you in Christ passes from this life to the next, the Bible says if you understand um, what the Bible teaches us about someone who has died in Christ, then we may grieve, but that we, we should not grieve as people who have no hope. Okay, So in the same way, as we face and deal with the challenges that are going on in the world around us, if we understand what the Bible has to say about these things and the perspective that Jesus gave us on these things, that, that doesn't mean that they're not challenging still. But again, we, we should not be facing these things uh, with fear and, and, and panic uh, and, and even terror 
uh, so many people are terrified by this and that. Um, but instead, amen, uh, understand uh, that all of this is, is not news to God. Uh, but there's a second part of this as well. And, and that is, it's not just important for us to understand what's going on around all of this, but we all have a role to play in this. We, we all, as the body of Christ in the earth, we have a, a, a part, a place uh, in these end time events um, that we also uh, need to understand. All right? Now, let's, um, let's do this. Matthew 24. I'm going to go ahead and read these verses to you again. Uh, beginning at verse number 4. It says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So notice, just because many people are being deceived, that doesn't mean you have to be deceived. Just because many people are being troubled by these things, that doesn't mean that you have to be troubled by these things. As a matter of fact, these are two of the main instructions Jesus gave uh, as, as He unveiled, as He, as he revealed these things to those that He was originally telling and, and ultimately to you and me. He, he told them to not be deceived and He told them to not let their hearts be troubled. All right? Keep going. Verse 7. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. That's a key verse. Verse 8. All these, the things that he just mentioned, they're the beginning of sorrows according to Jesus. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I'm not going to comment on all these things right now, but just think about what he's saying. He's saying that you will see an increase in people being offended. You will see an increase in people hating one another. <laughs> Come on now. You will see an increase in betrayal. Betrayal, right? Where, where people are betraying one another where husbands and wives are betraying one another, where, where parents and children are betraying one another, okay? where dear friends are betraying one another, where political allies are betraying one another, international allies. Are, are you seeing this? He, he said you'll see, again, people easily offended, people betraying one another, people hating one another, and then he goes on to say that even lawlessness, lawlessness will abound. And, you know, I, I think sometimes we, we have this tendency to think, you know, um, and again, if you, if you stop to consider all that has transpired in the world since the first century, okay, and, and you, you think how, you know, uncivilized the world used to be, you would think surely now that we're in the, in the dawning years of the 21st century, that we will be more civilized people. We will be a more law-abiding people. But again, as we've said over and over, these things are talking about what's inside of a person. Doesn't, doesn't matter what year it is. It doesn't matter what government it is. These things are in the heart of, of mankind. This is why Jesus is the only hope for this world. We sang it just a moment ago. He's our only hope. 
And I hope you've come to that conclusion. Because only Jesus can change the heart of a person. So it doesn't matter how civilized we become. It doesn't matter how advanced we become. It doesn't matter how sophisticated our technology becomes, right? You're still, you're still seeing people easily offended, hating and betraying one another, and lawlessness abounding. Amen. He says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Jesus didn't say this. I'm going to put this in there, okay? Write it down. In other words, that's what he's saying. That's the tone of his voice here. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Write it down. Write it down. The end will not come until this gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Then the end will come. There's a few reasons, of course, why Jesus emphasized this. Back to what we said a moment ago. It's not just important for us to understand what's going on. It's important for us to understand our role in this, the part that we play in this. Okay, So we, we need to see this. And whose role is it to preach the gospel of the kingdom to all the nations and people groups of the world? That's our job. That's our responsibility. Amen. And Jesus said the end is not going to come until that happens. Now, I believe there's another reason that he emphasized the end will not come until this happens. And it's a mistake that I continually hear people make um, preaching, teaching on, on this subject. And, and that is because we're seeing wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and nations rising against nations, because we're seeing all of these things, they say the end, the end is imminent. The end is, you know, Jesus could come any second now because we're seeing these things or we're seeing these things increase or we're seeing these things on a level like we've never seen before. But again, Jesus is saying you're going to see these things. You're going to see them increase. You're going to see them more frequently and you're going to see them with greater intensity. But those things are not what's going to produce the end. What's going to bring it all to a close is the gospel of the kingdom being preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Now, a few things. We've already mentioned them, so I'll be quick here. But key things Jesus told us about what we're seeing in the world around us. Number one, take heed that no one deceives you. Number two, see that you are not troubled. Number three, these things must come to pass. Okay? Now, I know, and every time I, I tread here on this subject, I tread lightly. Okay? Um, but I'm going to tread here again. If Jesus said these things must come to pass, then it doesn't matter how many prayer meetings we have, there's still going to be earthquakes. Okay? So what we need to focus on, though, is that um, earthquakes in Alabama are not going to even break one of your picture frames. Because earthquakes are going to happen. Natural disasters, and I'm going to show you this here in just a moment. Natural disasters are going to come. All right? And, 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 and I'm not saying that we should somehow, uh, you know, uh, leave our post and, and stop speaking against these things and praying against things. We absolutely should. But the idea that we can somehow, it's kind of like, it, 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 it's, it's similar to me in, in my heart and mind and thinking, you know, when Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you, you know, I, I guess I want to believe that there's, you know, some utopia on planet Earth where, where, you know, big corporations will 
you know, have some morals and pay people in developing countries more than a dollar a day, you know, and, you know, in other words, you, you follow what I'm saying? There's, there, there's parts of me that wants to believe in, 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 in the good of humanity and the goodness of mankind and that, and that, because listen, there's enough wealth in this world for there not to be any more poverty. Did you know that? There's enough wealth in this world for not a single child to starve to death today, but there's going to be a lot of children starve to death today. Okay. And so, you know, you, and so Jesus makes that statement. There's always going to be poor among you. And you're going, well, hold on, Jesus. Maybe one day we'll get it right and there'll be, there won't be any. But no, there'll always be poor among you until the new heavens and the new earth, right? Are you hearing me? So that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to help feed people who are hungry. Don't misunderstand me. We absolutely positively should. And Jesus even went so far as to not only encourage this, but to say, when you feed someone who's hungry, uh, it's as if you're feeding me. If you do it to the least, you're doing it for me and to me. So I'm not saying that we should, should somehow use this as an excuse to step away from our responsibilities, you know, where these kinds of problems and issues are concerned. But they're not going away. Not until Jesus comes back and makes all things new again. We're going to have to deal with these things and deal with them on a more frequent basis and on an increasing uh, intensity basis. Okay, let me keep going here. These things must come to pass. These things must come to pass. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. Jesus said these things must come to pass. And he also said these things are the beginning of sorrows. That literally means the beginning of the birthing process. So he said that all of these things he talked about were to be understood by you and me as labor pains, okay? And what we know about labor pains, again, is that they increase in frequency and intensity the closer you come to the child being born. Now, let's do this. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and I want us to look at, I don't know, about seven verses, six, seven verses here. 1 John chapter 4. Uh, we're, we're kind of doing two things at the same time, and that is we're expounding upon what Jesus said here so that we can connect with it and understand it on a personal level. But at the same, at the same time, we're, we're trying to also provide some context, you know, w- with a bigger picture. And so what I'm going to do just real quick, I'm not here to try to do an exhaustive teaching on this, so please. But I did, I did feel prompted by the Holy Spirit um, to put this in my note. It's, it's been in my notes, but move it out of my master file into my notes at this point this morning. Because, again, it's, it's something that I feel like we need to hear and understand as we continue down this pathway of, of, of study. In other words, for instance, if I was to only tell you, if I was to only tell you as we study these things, these things must come to pass, and if you think what we're seeing now is bad, it's only going to get worse, and not only is it going to get worse, it's going to come more frequently than it's, than it's come in the past. If I, if I told you that, I would be telling you the truth, but if I told you that, right, and left out the part about you're in this world but not of it, you have a covenant to protect you when all the land of Egypt was covered in darkness, the lights were on in Goshen, that, that Father God has, has drawn a circle around you, and He wants the fact that you live for Him, and you're, He's your protection, He's your provision, He's your prosperity, He's your promotion, for, for now all of a sudden you to become that example, that, that, that light set on a pedestal, amen, um, 
see, if we left all of that out, then we would leave feeling pretty bummed, you know. Um, so I, I'm, I'm trying to show you the bigger picture at the, at the same time as we also understand these things in light of current events. Amen. Is that, do you, does that make sense to you? Okay. Um, so again, there's going to be more hurricanes. And there's going to be more tornadoes. But that doesn't mean they have to take you and your family out. Okay. So we've got, we got to see both sides of this at the same time. So now, 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 1. I tell you what, before I read this, let me tell you one more reason why I'm wanting to go to this, okay? For some reason it's not pulling up on my screen. Let me go back here. Okay, praise God. I don't know. All right, let me, I just lost that, but it'll come back in Jesus' name. Now, somebody says, so Pastor Mark, is this the tribulation? Okay. And the answer to that question is a bit complicated. So again, I'm not here this morning to try to do an exhaustive uh, teaching on uh, the tribulation as the Bible refers to it, okay? But the things that Jesus is talking about here, someone say, well, you know, Pastor Mark, is, is that the tribulation? And the answer is yes and no. Yes and no. You say, well... Well, that's no answer at all. Well, just, again, hear me out. Hear me out. What we're seeing now, we will see in the great tribulation. And that's that's what you've got to realize, is the Bible talks about tribulation. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. Tribulation just means troubled times, trouble, okay? Be of good cheer. Again, would Jesus have told us the truth when he said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation? Yes, but he didn't stop there. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, and we're in Christ, and because he overcame the world, we can also overcome the tribulation that's in this world, right? It's like when the Bible talks about, you know, many are the troubles uh, of the righteous, you know, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Is that true? Yes, but what else does the Bible say? But the Lord delivers them out of them all. Okay, so we're we're in a war. We we we, you did not wake up in a neutral world this morning. Satan is is the lowercase g o d of this world. He's the prince and the ruler of this world, according to Jesus, and he is opposing us. And there is conflict in the world, amen? And so we're going to deal with, 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 with issues and tribulation. If you, didn't, if you weren't able to tune in on Wednesday night, please, it's free. No charge. I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm trying to give you something, okay? Um, the, we began a, a series in our Faith Maddox uh, uh, um, study, and the, and the title of the sermon is Ready for Trial, Okay? And what, what we see is that we're going to face trials in, in, in this life. We've got to be ready for those trials. Just like a defense attorney will spend months, in some cases more than a year, getting ready for a trial. Amen. So we're going to face trials. Your enemy is ready for the trial. He's your prosecutor, the accuser of the brethren. We've got to understand what we have to do to be ready for that trial because we stumble in there when 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 you know satan hauls your faith into the court of life courtroom of life you you've got to be ready amen and so again how much of what jesus taught us dealt with our being prepared why is he even telling us these things 
just to impress us because he knows them? No, so that we will be prepared for these things when they come. So we see then that the Bible makes a, 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 a difference, distinguishes between tribulation and great tribulation. Okay? So keep that in mind as, as we read. So before I say that, is this tribulation? Yes or no? It's both. It's yes and it's no. Yes in the sense that it's tribulation. No in the sense that it's not great tribulation. Great tribulation is ahead. Amen. All right. Let's look at it here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Okay? Now... If I go this slow, it's going to take a long time to get through this. But let me just, I want to point out something in case you missed it, okay? Whose responsibility is it to test the spirits? (laughs) It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. Are you seeing this? In other words, this to me is is a, a companion passage with do not be deceived, do not let your heart be troubled. He's saying you got to test the spirits. You've got to test the spirits. Now listen to me, please. There is enough division and criticism within the body of Christ today. And I am certainly not trying to add to that, okay? But we see in Jesus' day, the most popular, the most respected, the most uh, highly recognized, even famous religious leaders of Jesus' day, were some of the same men who wanted to put him to death for healing a man with a shriveled up arm on the wrong day. And if you don't think that spirit is still alive and well on planet earth, working in religious environments called, when I say the church, the true church is the body of Christ, okay? But working within religious institutions today, my brother, my sister, you need to wake up and smell something. Amen. Roses, coffee, truth. Praise God. That spirit is still alive and well on planet earth. And they want to keep Jesus confined to the stained glass while they call the shots in the religious organizations. And anybody who dares... To, to start making Jesus real and alive, they try to squash that really, really fast. Are you hearing me? Okay. So he's saying to you and me, we've got to test the spirits. Just because they're on Christian television, just because they have a church of several thousand, just because they've written a bunch of books that have sold a bunch of copies, that doesn't necessarily mean they've got the right spirit. That's why he's, when he says that they, if, that, that some of this deception that's coming. So deception's always been, right? But remember, deception is a part of, of this whole group of these things. Meaning what? Meaning the deception is going to come more frequently and with greater intensity, right? In other words, the, the, it's, it, in other words, <laughs> the deception is becoming even more deceptive. I, 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 I'm tr- help me, Holy Spirit. To the point that he says when we get closer and closer to the end, that some of the most solid, 
word-based people around are going to start falling to the deception. See, if, if you think that the, that the, that the devil's going to come to you, you know, on uh, what's some television, you know, Hulu or Netflix or, or no, no, he, he's going he's to come to you through the Christian television channels. Are you following? What I'm saying, if, if it's what's going to make it so much more deceptive, it's because so much of what those people are going to be saying to us is going to sound good. It's going to sound right. See, what, what makes a lie so deceptive is how much truth can we put in the lie and it still be a lie. The devil has tried to walk that razor-thin edge for millennia, and he's gotten pretty good at walking that fine line. So it's how much of the truth can he put in there and it still be a lie. He didn't come to Jesus cursing and telling dirty jokes. He came to Jesus quoting the Bible. Amen. Amen. So we have to test the spirits. I'm not telling you to be... Again, there's enough judgment, there's enough, okay? But you ever watch a, a preacher on television and you just go, man, I don't even know that person, but something doesn't just sit right with me. Again, there, there needs to be that inward witness. There needs to be that, that confirmation. And I'm not talking about whether they wear a tie or not. I'm not talking about whether they wear a, a denim jacket uh, with crop pants and flip-flops. That, that, that has nothing to do with it. And again, there's a lot of people, religious people will tell you, right? If they don't have on a three-piece suit, then you can't trust them. There's a lot of folks in three-piece suits you can't trust, right? (laughs) All right, let me keep going here. Amen or oh me? We've got to test the spirits. And if something doesn't sit well with your spirit, ask the Holy Spirit inside of you. Father, why is this not sitting well with me? Why is what that man's saying, why is what that lady's saying... Why, why, does that, why does that not strike some harmonic chord in my spirit, right? Ask him. He'll show you. He'll show you where it doesn't line up with Scripture. Same is true with Christian music today, my friend. Just because they've, they've won Dove Awards and Emmys and Gra- all that other stuff, Grammys, whatever it is you give music, music folks, right? It, 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 you know, just because they were on American Idol, you know, now they're on Christian Radio, again, that doesn't mean the content, right? And man, that that to me is, you know, I heard Matthew preach many years ago, two things the devil knows how to do is lie and make music. Right? And you know, back when I was a teenager, and, and, and again, there's a lot of secular music you ain't got no business listening to, okay? But, you know, they were like taking albums and playing them backwards, you know, and did you hear, did you hear that? And I'm like, mm, I didn't hear that, right? Listen carefully. He's saying it's fun to smoke marijuana. There's one, one more wrong, wrong. Do that again. And what did he say? He said it's fun to smoke marijuana. I'm going, well, you know, I don't listen to that album frontwards. And I don't ever plan on listening to it backwards. And I don't see how. But again, see, the devil will have you doing that junk. Right? While you're listening to a, a, a four, you know, piece gospel quartet sing lies to you. 
Not backwards, forwards. Many, he didn't say a few. He said many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, this is, this is the passage I was trying to get to. Praise the name of the living God. All right. Let's go back to it. Is this tribulation? Yes and no. It's tribulation, but it's not the great tribulation. We're seeing elements of the great tribulation only to a lesser degree. But what we're seeing now is going to continue to build in frequency and intensity until, use a big word like mayonnaise, the the great tribulation becomes the crescendo. The great tribulation uh, becomes... And I'll show you a verse here in just a moment where Jesus says, you know, uh, never been days like it at any time upon the earth up until, up until then. All right. But he says in the middle of this, and, and, and this is the part that I'm, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help you connect with. It's kind of the same question. You know, people sometimes ask me, Pastor Martin, do you believe that Antichrist is alive right now on planet earth? And in, in other words, if, if there's a human being who is alive right now who is the Antichrist, Antichrist spoken of in the Scriptures, then that means the end is within, you know, at, at the most 80 years if he's already alive, right? So, we're, you know, we're getting close. So that's kind of a question. Uh, it's a loaded question. But that's, that's a question that, that, that people often ask. And I've been asked that question as a pastor, uh, I guess, since I was a teenager. Do you believe that the Antichrist is alive right now? There were people who said it was Ronald Reagan, right? And here, let me show you how, let me show you how biblically sound that theory was, okay? Ronald Wilson Reagan, each of his three names has six letters. Ronald six, Wilson six, Reagan six. He's probably the Antichrist. Give me a break, dude. Give me. Yeah, and let's, and let's wonder when we're one, right? Yeah, let's play it backwards, okay? Um, you know, I mean, what in the world? You know, what in the world, okay? And so, obviously, there's no way of knowing that, but I believe we're asking the wrong question. Because the Bible says that the Antichrist, capital A, the one, the person, the man, Antichrist, he may not be here physically yet, but the spirit of Antichrist is alive and well. The spirit of Antichrist is alive and well. And again, that's going to continue to grow and develop to the point that when the Antichrist, the man Antichrist, steps on the scene, people will flood to him by the millions. So what's already being developed and cultivated in men's and women's hearts. Listen to me. Listen to me. Some of you have been set free from a family that the spirit of Antichrist had been being cultivated in for generations. It was, I mean, you, you, you were, you know, eighth generation Antichrist, you know, and, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, 
thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Word of God. Thank God for the truth. Now all of a sudden, you're, you've been brought out and you've been very successful in, in, in helping see salvation come to a lot of your family. Okay? So, in the, in the same way that the answer to, is this tribulation, is the Antichrist alive? Yes and no. And the same with Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist is, is, is alive and well here on planet Earth. Now, notice though, and in the, in the same uh, way that we're doing this. In other words, think, if, think if we read all of this without verse 4, okay? We would leave this like, you know, biting our fingernails. Like, oh my goodness, what, you know, what's a man to do? What's a woman to do? Okay? But notice right in the middle of all of this revealing of these things, explaining of these things, he drops in verse 4. Never forget you are of God, little children. Does it say, look at it, if you don't have a Bible in front of you, look at it, verse 4. Does it say we'll overcome them? It says you have overcome them. Remember, in this world, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I, Jesus speaking, I have overcome the world. Okay? So how is it that we have already overcome all of this before it even happens? We've already overcome it before it happens because Jesus has overcome it and his victory belongs to us. We've overcome it all. There is nothing that will happen in your life from this point to the end of this age that you have not already overcome. And that's the attitude that we have to have in facing these things and understanding these things and, and even in studying what the Bible has to say about them. We, I, think some, I think it's almost like some people study these events out of... Do you understand the concept of a morbid curiosity? It's why there can be a car accident in the southbound lane and traffic be stopped in the northbound lane. Because everybody's got to slow down. And, you know. So it's almost like people study end times, not because they're trying to understand it, not because they want to know what their responsibilities are in light of it, but just out of some morbid curiosity. Right? I mean, it's like there's only reruns now on murder television, so let's go study some end-time events or something, you know. <laughs> Amen. All right, you still with me? You're of God. You're of God. Listen to me, man. The Holy Spirit's been... And I, I know that... I'm not trying to be controversial here, but just listen to me, please. We see in the Old Testament that God's favor was upon the descendants of Abraham. Amen? They had a covenant with God. And so we see that all kinds of things that would happen in the world around them, when they were, as Matt was talking about, when they were lined up with God, amen, they rose above it all. But we're not like them in the sense that we are more than just a group of people in the earth and on the earth that God favors. We're not of this world. Unlike 
the descendants of Abraham in the Old Testament, we have been born of his spirit. We have been born of his seed. We have been born from above. We have been born of God. We are members of the body of Christ. We have been filled with his spirit. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. My friend, it's going to be a wonderful, glorious day in all of our lives when the full reality finally dawns on our minds. Amen. What's already dawned in and shining through our spirits. And that is what's going on in this world around us. It does not apply to me. Coronavirus does not apply to me. I'm not of this world. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. It doesn't apply to me any more than it applies to my ancestors who are already in heaven. Doesn't apply to me. Doesn't apply. See, again, that's where the enemy deceives me. It's where he tries to deceive you. In in thinking that, well, you know, just, you know, um, I'm just a mere mortal. I'm just a mere man. No, the Bible says you're more than a mere man. You're more than a mere man. You've been born again. You're an ambassador. You represent our Father's kingdom, your homeland, your citizenship. Your, your true nationality is not Southern. It's not Caucasian. It's not African. It's not Italian. It's not melting pot. That's not your true heritage. Your true heritage is the Son of the living God. You've been born of Him. He is a prototype. You have received His DNA. You have received His indestructible heredity. These things bow. They bow. Jesus, see... You look at sometimes the disciples. Remember the disciples trying to cast the devil out and the devil defied them. Right? Jesus puts his foot on an island where a man filled with a legion of demons is up in the hills. And they start screaming, don't torment us before our time. Yeah, well, Pastor Mark, he was Jesus. He was a man. He was a man operating in faith, in right standing with God, full of the Holy Spirit. Why did they defy the disciples and they didn't defy Jesus? They defied the disciples because they were trying to see if the disciples knew that they had to go when they told them to go. It's just that simple. The devil knew when those disciples told him to go, he had to go. He was trying to figure out if they knew that he had to go when they told him to go. Follow me now. That legion of disciples... They knew that Jesus knew that when he told them to go, they had to go. It's the difference. It's the difference. You are of God. You're not of this world. You're not of this world system. You wasn't born of this world. You wasn't born of the flesh. You wasn't born because some man, uh, human being on this planet willed you to be born. No, you were born by the will of God. You've been born of his spirit. You've been born from above. He came to his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right, the power, the privilege, the authority to be called sons of God. You're of God. You're born of God. You're his child. You have overcome because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Verse 5, they are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, 
He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Singers, musicians, come on. Praise God. Mm. Man, I could go for another hour here. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the living God. you get anything out of this? Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Let me give you these two verses right quick. Matthew 24, 21. For there will be, Jesus speaking, for then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, never, ever shall be. So he's saying that there's tribulation now, but then there's coming a day when there will be great tribulation. Here is the wonderful truth to this that I hope you've recognized. He says that this tribulation will be what has not been since the beginning of the world. But then he also says, and it'll never be again. Wow. It'll never be again. Once, once we get through this, it's smooth sailing forever. Amen. <laughs> Come on now, does that, does that encourage anybody? You know, I can, I can, I can uh, deal with things, you know, that are, that are challenging, require some extra hours and extra work if I know that once I get it done, you follow what I'm saying? All right. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white, with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I said, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Could you just lift a hand to him this morning? Maybe close your eyes. I want to pray for you. You don't have to sit. You don't have to listen to me pray. You, you pray as well. But Father, I, I just thank you this morning. 
for your blessing upon my brothers and sisters. Jesus, you knew no sin, but you became our sin so that we could become your righteousness. When we were all cursed and doomed, separated from God without hope in this world, you came and you sought us and you found us and you became a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon each one of us and that we could receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. Father, I thank you that you have provided in your word the answers that we need, the insight and the understanding, Father, that's so critical during these chaotic times in which we live. And you've provided those things not to scare us, but to prepare us. But Father, every single time you remind us of who we are and whose we are. Every single time you talk about these things, you remind us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world against us. You remind us that we belong to you. You remind us that we're born of you. You remind us that we've overcome already. And by faith, we're laying hold of the victory Jesus won for us and walking it out on a daily basis. Father, I know that there are those whose income has been affected. Father, by this recent pandemic, this recent, recent pestilence, as Jesus called it. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are providing that, that Father, our confession has been when this is over, we're going to be stronger and in a better position than we were in before it began. That we'll suffer no loss. Even if it seems like we're suffering loss right now, even if it looks like we're losing money or losing opportunities right now, Father, I thank you that we don't go by what it seems or looks like, Father. We go by what your word says. Thank you, Father, that the world may say it out of one side of their mouth and something different out of the other, but we say it based upon what your word says. We are literally, actually in this together because we're all members of the same body. Help us, Lord, see these things clearer than we've ever seen them before. And Father, help us understand our part, our role in these things. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. I want us to sing together. Um, if you'd like someone to pray for you, these altars are open. We'd love to, uh, to pray with you this morning, agree with you this morning. But let's just worship him for a moment, then we'll, we'll be dismissed. Praise God.